Hey, welcome to the Faith NFM podcast. We appreciate your time today, and we encourage you to head on over to faithnfm.com where you can find the notes for this presentation, as well as links to all that's happening around Faith Assembly. Our hope is that this message helps move you forward in your faith journey. Again, thank you for being with us today as we celebrate Christmas. We all know in this place that this is a church that uh, our, our foundation is is Jesus. What Jesus has done, what Jesus will do in not only Southwest Florida, in our lives and in the lives to come. And uh, we're on mission here. We're on mission to, to transform Southwest Florida by the name of Jesus and what Jesus can do with someone's life. Uh, we know that Christmas earmarks uh, the story of Jesus, Jesus coming into a manger as a humble infant to then rising up to be a majesty and sitting at the right hand of God, being ultimate Lord of Lord, King of Kings. And we know that about Jesus, and that's what we declare, and that's why we love Christmas here. But we also know that we want to be a church that leaves a legacy. Did you know our church is 90 years old next year? That's pretty crazy, right? That's awesome. There's a lot of churches that I know about that they come, they go, and, and, and they might have a great heyday at some point, but our focus here as a church and as a pastor uh, of faith, being in one of the lines of, of being uh, the steward of this church and leader of this church, is that not only is our church 90 years old, and not only do we want to continue, we want to continue that momentum for the next 90 years. We want to make a difference. Uh, so for the past few weeks, we've been talking about what is known as our legacy offering. We've been asking you to uh, prepare your heart, pray about how God might stir your spirit to, to live a life of generosity. That's one of our core values here because we believe it's a part of our worship uh, set and, and who we are in our spirit and what we're supposed to do is be people who live a life of generosity. So we've been talking about our legacy offering, and we have a two-pronged approach that we're going to be addressing during our legacy offering. You can see it on the screen, this graphic. The first one that we're going to be talking about and uh, uh, asking you to ask God what he would like you to give is to address some of our capital expenses, in-house expenses. We have some updating in our technology when it comes to our next generation from TVs, sound, to different tech that's just, to truth be, they're old. And tech is expensive, and we want to give our best for our most cherished resources, our kiddos. Uh, but there's also a huge capital expense and a roof. We are putting on a new roof as we speak. And uh, if I told you the size of the roof and how much it costs, it would kind of blow your mind, so I'm going to do that. Our roof that we're putting on right now is $375,000. That's a lot of money. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's hard to kind of pallet that as a guy, because no one gets excited for a roof. Like, woo, got a new roof. But you know and I know that when it rains in Florida, we don't want to get wet when we're inside, right? But it's, it's a real need we have. So we just want to be forthright and present that to you. And then also, we don't want to be a church that's just here about leaving a legacy in our own community, but we want to be a, a globalized church, part of the big C, part of the 
God's kingdom when it comes to uh, uh, making a, a global impact. We partner with orphanages. You'll hear about one today. We partner with Convoy of Hope, Fire Bible, where we help translate the Bible. And what we're asking through this legacy offering is that we come together as a church and see what kind of difference we can make through our generosity in this Christmas season. So right now, I'm going to ask you uh, to just, in this moment of prayer, ask God how he might be stirring you. We have numerous ways to give from our online platforms. We have our envelopes at the tables for this next year of 2024. And I just want to encourage you, be someone that lives a life of generosity. It's an action and it's a step of worship. And I want to invite you to be a part of our legacy offering. Let's pray this morning over our giving time right now. God, we give you this moment. We thank you and we praise you. We call on your name and we say uh, that you are the majesty, that you are glory. Lord, we thank you for this Christmas season because ultimately it is the starting point of when everything would be different for us and those in this room. Lord, we pray right now that you multiply our legacy offering this year of 2023, that you uh, do more than we can even expect God, we know that you're stirring on our hearts, and Lord, we are asking to be obedient. We are asking to live sacrificially. Lord, we are praying and trusting that when we give, it goes forth your kingdom, and you do what we can't even imagine. So Lord, multiply this offering. Lead us and be with us. In your great and holy name, we all say amen. Well, thank you for leading a life of generosity. Let's continue to worship this morning. I'm going to invite you to stand with us as we continue to sing songs today. I could have stepped into creation with fire for all to see. Brought every tribe and nation to their knees. Riding with the host of heaven royal Roman crown rulers of the earth all bowing down but you chose meekness over majesty wrapped your power in humanity
to the cradle, from cradle to the cross. Let heaven and nature sing, this is our King. But the grave couldn't hold Him, because our God is overcome. Let heaven and nature sing, this is our King. From heaven to the cradle, from cradle to the cross.
we give you this time and we say thank you thank you for bringing us life thank you for finding people who are broken messed up problems filled with issues and you come in and you make us new creations 
in your name. God, we're so thankful for the life you bring in us. In your great and holy name, we all say amen. Well, thank you for joining us. You may go ahead and have a seat. Woo! 15 days. That's the countdown to Christmas, fellas. You better be shopping right now. This is a warning to you. Uh, maybe, you're, maybe you're a little lucky like I am. A few years ago, my wife came to me and she was like, hey, uh, what if we don't really do gifts anymore? You know, as a, ba- a guy who's a bad gift giver, I'm like, yeah, sounds great. You know, I'm like, woo. Uh, I don't know if I'm actually like digging my grave as I speak, you know, but I like I jumped at the opportunity say, hey, we don't have to do gifts. All right. In fact, she wanted to do gifts for our kids only like, hey, let's just take all our our resources. Let's put them into buying a little something for the kids. Let's make memories. Let's have experiences. And I love it, you know, and and, but but be praying for me because I don't know what to necessarily expect as the years tick ahead. Um, and I, I love kids because, uh, you know, they're so like just honest, especially when they ask for things. I love what one kid put, little Timmy said this, dear Santa, you did not bring me anything good last year. You didn't bring me any good. You didn't bring me anything good the year before. This is your final chance. <laughs> like, woo, like, come on, Timmy, you got it. I love what Samantha, she said it this way. She says, uh, hey God, or, or excuse me, dear Santa. She says, dear Santa, uh, I would like to have a little sister, uh, but not right now. I want a little sister in two years, right? Like, interesting Santa request right there. Here's the thing, you know, a lot of times we're really good at asking. We're in this series called Christmas Miracles. We talked about that last week of, of how we need to ask, what it means to ask for a miracle. Some of you are in this place right now. You've come to church. You don't know why you're here other than to maybe cheer on some family, some, some kids on stage, or you came reluctantly with a friend. But you do have something going on in your life where you need to God show up big time in your life. You need God to do what only God can do in your life. We are a church that believes that what God did back then, God can continue to do today in the days to come. We believe that's part of who we are. So we're talking about miracles, Christmas miracles. Last week we talked about how we need to be able to ask for a Christmas miracle. This week I want to talk to you about how we need to position ourselves to receive a Christmas miracle. Because a lot of times we, we do a lot of asking. I got a little guy, he was up here, he was singing the songs, he was, I, I guess, trying to dance to do a little bit of that as well. And uh, he, he always, he loves eggnog, right? Like any eggnog, like fans in the place, like let's go. And, and he loves all the sweetness of it. He's like, daddy, can I get eggnog? Can I get eggnog? Can I get eggnog? Like we wake up, can I get eggnog? Can I get eggnog? I'm like, dude, you ask me one more time, it's not going to go well for you, right? And I think a lot of us have that kind of reaction when it comes to asking something from God. We just, we just keep asking, we keep asking, we keep asking. And really, we need to be in this position to receive what God wants us to receive. And sometimes we got to do a little bit of the shutting up so we can let God show out in our life. Like, let's be honest with ourselves. Like, sometimes we talk too much when really God's saying, hey, take a step back. 
So today I want to talk to you about this big idea, make way for a miracle. I'm going to talk to you how we can do that, make way for a miracle. Jeremiah chapter 32, 27 says this, God uses this prophet and he says this, I am the Lord, the God of all peoples of the world. Is anything too hard for me? God says that. Is anything too hard for him? So we're, we're talking about, hey, we need a miracle. We need to be willing to ask, but we also have to position ourselves to receive. So the question I want to ask us today that we're going to be kind of unpacking throughout our talk today is how do we make way for God to do a miracle in our life? How do we need to position ourselves? Life is a little crazy right now, right? It's Christmas holidays. Are, are we able to go to the parties? Are we getting all the shopping figured out? What obligations do we have to go? Oh, family drama, let alone you got work, let alone there's, there's maybe sales quotas you have to meet, let alone it's school with the kids. Life gets a little crazy, right? So how do we come to this place where we can just say, hey God, I asked, now how do I receive? I'm going to invite you to join me, Luke chapter 2. We're actually going to look at Jesus about eight days after his birth, going to a a Jewish custom of being dedicated at the temple. So join me, Luke chapter 2, verse 25. At that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout. And I want to pause right there. If you're taking notes, if in the bottom of your paper, wherever you're in a handout, or if you're taking online, it, a lot of times when we're looking at the scriptures in around the, the Christmas story about Jesus' birth, a lot of two big characteristics come about with these individuals. We looked at it last week with Zechariah and Elizabeth. It says Zechariah was righteous and obedient. Here we see Simeon, this man who spent a lot of time at uh, the temple, a lot of time probably being a leader of the temple. Right here, only time we see him in Scripture, and we see that he is righteous and devout, meaning he was a man who tried his best to live a life that honored God, and he lived a life of obedience, devotion to the law. Let's continue. And he was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him and had he re- and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That day the Spirit led him to the temple, so when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord as the law required. So we see this man by the name of Simeon, full of the Holy Spirit. We see that this, this man is, is sitting, positioning himself. He's waiting upon the Lord. In fact, Simeon, meaning his name means this, God has heard. I mean, he was was so righteous, he was so devoted to who God was that he, he, he kept praying, he kept seeking. It's a popular name, but it comes pretty prominent right here that when Simeon was seeking God, God heard him. He did an experience what many of us long, many of us wish we could have had is this personal encounter with Jesus. God showed up in his life in a very powerful way. And Simeon makes God a priority in his life. He, he makes waiting upon Jesus a priority in his life. 
The original language, if you looked at it in, in, in the Greek, when it says that he was waiting eagerly, eagerly would, would more so read like this. Simeon was waiting in consolation or, or expecting comfort of the Messiah. That's where Simeon was. So the headline of his life was simply this. He needed something from God, so he made God the top priority in his life. If you need something from God, friends, you have to be willing to make God the top priority in your life. And that leads us to, to what the, the first part of receiving a miracle, and that's simply this. We need to be willing to prioritize your partnership. Prioritize your partnership. Um, if you want God to show up in a real way, you got to prioritize your partnership with him. History has given us a lot of great partnerships, right? I think of one when it comes to uh, Star Wars, right? We see Han Solo and we see Chewbacca. Any Star Wars fans in the place? Come on, like, let's go. Like, woo, like, live long and prosper. Kidding. Like, that's some of the most offensive things. When you're a Star Wars fan, that's Star Trek. I know my stuff. But anyways, right, Han Solo, Chewbacca. Big partnership in history. We also see, hey, millennial moms in the place. Rachel, Monica, come on now. Like, let's go. Like, friends. We're all about friends. You know, great partnership. Or, hey, here we go. The dynamic duo, Batman and Robin. Let's go. Some of us grew up on this classic sitcom. Or, hey, we're in the Christmas season, right? So we have our guy, Santa, and Rudolph, the red-nosed reindeer. Right? Partnerships all throughout history. God wants to partner with you. But I want to ask you this question. Do you view God as a consultant or do you view God as a partner? Do you wake up in the morning and, and do you go on with your day and, and you think any thought you want, you say anything you want, you live however you want, you speak to whoever you want any way you want, and then at the end of the day, you sprinkle in a little bit of God. That would be a consultant. God wants to have a partnership with you. God wants to face the big challenges and the small challenges with you. God wants to have a, a, a great time with you and a bad time with you. God doesn't want to be this individual that's just high in the sky and you call on him at your last resort. God wants to be the first call with you. He wants to be in lockstep with you. He cares for you. He sees you. Part of the fun, foundation of our series is this, that God hears us, that God cares for us, and he lives to make a difference on our behalf. He wants that for us. But sometimes in our relationship with God, it's like, hey, God, I'll keep you as a consultant. I'll ask for your advice when it, when it suits me well. We're saying, hey, I have a partner with me. You know, Simeon, when he's in this moment and he's waiting on the Messiah, like history has him noted as this man who has this experience with Jesus. Like, imagine that in your life, like what the history books write about you. See, Simeon understood that, hey, that only true joy, that the void deep down in your heart, that life is troubling, that life is hard, that we make mistakes, we're imperfect people, all those fleeting thoughts or all those thoughts that we have that we want to repel, and we know that deep down in your heart, Simeon understood that the only person, the only antidote, the only hope people can have is Jesus. Simeon understood that life is more than a bank account. 
Simeon understood it's more than stature. Simeon understood it's more than just the next good time. It's, next, it's, it's better than, hey, let me live life for the weekend. Simeon understood that it all comes with a partnership with Jesus. And his, his life is noted, hey, I'm going to wait on Jesus. I'm going to make Jesus my priority in my life. He's going to be a partner in my life. Uh, truth be told, it was a, a pretty challenging week in the Hanson household. There's some stress dynamics. Uh, we're we're kind of conflicted. We're making some choices with our kids. We're trying to sort through some things. Uh, we, had, we had a personal hiccup. And then on top of that, Friday, I got sick. And so I, I had a stomach bug and, and it wasn't enjoyable. And so I was like, man, I just I hope I can make it to Sunday. Like it was going to be a good day. And I'm excited because we got the train out there. We got the, we got Mary and Joe's petting zoo. And, but so it was a trying week, honestly. And I was kind of discouraged and I was discomforted. And I was like, come on, God, really? Like we're supposed to be celebrating you. Like, I'm like, throw your guy, give him some slack. Like help me out here. You ever have one of those conversations where you're like, come on, God, like, do you hear me here? right? Like, like, really, God? Like, you want to do this right now? And I, I was discouraged, and, and I was not in the best of place. And so I had some sleepless nights, and, and I was just laying there. I was like, you know, praying, and, and God kind of put Joshua chapter 1, verse 9 on my life and my heart this week, and it simply reads this. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So if I'm feeling at a low point, God's with me. If I'm feeling at a high point, God is with me. God's my partner. And, and I would say this, to the degree you value your partnership, it's to the degree which when you're facing that, that turmoil in your life, that disobedience in your life, or that discomfort in your life, that frustration in your life, is I would say that's the degree in which you're operating in and, and receiving God as your, your partner. Because when we receive God as your partner, the world can be crazy. It can be chaos. You flip on the news. You're like, oh, here we go again. What war is happening here? What's taking place here? Like, what debate am I going to watch? And they're going to scream at each other again. Like, oh, no, really? Are we really going to hone in on America's best two choices? Like, woo, like, come on. And we, like, want to pull our hair out. And when you look at this life, you're like, Jesus, please come back for your church as quick as you possibly can. But life can be pretty crazy, right? But when you partner with God, there's this peace that comes into play. Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3 says this, You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. So we keep in perfect peace whenever we realize that, hey, God wants us as his children and as his partner. He doesn't want us to be a last call, last resort. I, I like to nerd out and check out some of these old school preachers. I mean, they got, they got fire to them. And I came across this excerpt in this message preached by S.M. Lockridge. And he titled his message, That's My King, Do You Know Him? And when I started reading through it, I was just moved. I wanted to share it with you today because it's profound. And when we speak about who God is in your life, this is probably one of the best excerpts that I've ever heard. The Bible says, my king is the king of the Jews. 
He's the king of Israel. He's the king of the righteous. He's the king of the ages. He's the king of heaven. He's the king of glory. He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. That's my king. I wonder, do you know him? My king is sovereign king. No means of measures can divine his limitless love. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally grateful. He's imperally powerful. He's impartially merciful. Do you know him? He's the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed the horizon of this world. He's God's son. He's the sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He is the loftiest idea of literature. He's the highest personality and philosophy. He's the fundamental doctrine of true theology. He's the only one qualified to be all-sufficient savior. I wonder if you know him today. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He strengthens and sustains. He guards and he guides. He heals the sick. He heals, he cleanses the lepers. He has forgiven the sinners. He's discharged the debaters. He delivers the captive. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He guards the aged. He rewards the diligent and he beautifies the meek. I wonder if you know him. He's the key to knowledge. He's the wellspring of wisdom. He's the doorway of deliverance. He's the pathway of peace. He's the roadway of righteousness. He's the highway of holiness. He's the gateway of glory. Do you know him? Well, his life is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love is never changing. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous and his yoke is easy and his burden is light. I wish I could describe him to you. Do you know him? He's indescribable, he's incomprehensible, he's invincible, he's irresistible. You can't get him out of your mind, you can't get him off your hand, you can't outlive him, and you can't live without him. Well, the Pharisees couldn't stand him, but they found out they couldn't stop him. Pilate couldn't find fault in him, Herod couldn't kill him, death couldn't handle him, and the grave couldn't hold him. Yeah, that's my king. So when we talk about partnership, that's who you're partnering with. I think sometimes we lose sight of that, of just how majestic our king is. And what I love about this partnership, not only is he our king, but he's also our father. And that when we position ourselves to receive from this great, mighty ruler in our life, Jesus says, live childlike. In Matthew chapter 18, verse 2 and 3, Jesus called the little children to him and put the child among them. Then he said, I tell you the truth, unless you turn from your sins and become like little children, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. I mean, we're supposed to be like childlike, not childish, childlike. Sometimes we have to remember what it's like to be a child. Came across this poem, and man, it like kind of hit home when it comes to being like a child. And sometimes we just have to have this open hand to receive and, and understand that there's a lot of things out of our control. 
And we have to remember what it means to be a kid again. People have always said that, you know, Christmas is for kids. And I would say Christmas isn't for kids. Christmas is for God's church. This poem reads, I want to go back to a time when being old referred to anyone over the age of 20. When decisions were made by going any, meeny, miny, mo. When it was magical, when the dad removed his thumb. I still don't learn that trick right now, so I'm like, I failed in this poem. When it was a big deal to finally be tall enough to ride the big kid rides in the amusement parks. When the abilities were discovered playing double dog dare. And when spinning around making yourself dizzy and dizzy and dizzy and falling down was a cause for laughs. When, play, when putting a card in your spokes transferred that bike into a motorcycle, you know. When ice cream was considered a basic food group. And the worst thing that you could catch from the opposite sex was cooties, right? Whew. I think sometimes we have to remember that you know, we're God's children, majestic king partnering with as God the Father so not only do we need to remember our partnership secondly we need to slow down to the pace of grace slow down to the pace of grace you know have you ever noticed there's world records for everything everything I mean uh, like for instance if you have a beard in this place I'm, I'm a little jealous of you I can't really grow an awesome beard and I wish I could do this to my face uh, you can see this picture of 710 baubles in someone's beard aka little ornaments like that's pretty crazy right like world record okay sometimes you might be feeling right now like hey how can I outdo last year last year was intense how, how can I make it better this year and and then we start thinking like, okay, well, how do I become more thoughtful? You know, one of the, the longest standing Christmas trees comes from 1886. Paul Parker and his family over in England, they have passed this tree down. It's fake, just in case you're wondering, from generation to generation to generation. You know, have you ever thought like during Christmas, like how do I get a more thoughtful gift? Like, like how do I hang in there? Or maybe you're just feeling like the pressure from everybody because you got to go hang out at your in-law's house or you just got to go see your mom for a little while and you're like, woo, it can be a little like, uh, here we go again. And you have to slow down when you're hanging out and, and you feel all this tense pressure around and maybe you feel like you got 25 sweaters on you like Guillermo Rodriguez, world record on Jimmy Kimmel where they put on, he says that uh, a sweater 17 that he started feeling like a sausage being squeezed so tight. Like you ever been there when those moments of pressure in life, maybe it's in the Christmas season or maybe it's just in life in general where you're feeling like you just can't measure up, you just can't keep up, and you're really about to just give up. But we need to slow down to the pace of grace. Slow down to the pace of grace. Look what happens in Luke chapter 2, verse 27 with Simeon. As we continue the story, that day the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present baby Jesus to the Lord as, he was, as the law required, Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace. As you have promised, I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. In verse 32, he is the light to reveal God. He is the light to reveal 
God to the nations. He is the glory of your people Israel. Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about the child, about him. If you ever held, if you've ever held a, an, a baby, a newborn for the first time, it seems like the whole world pauses. You put the little one in your hand. If it's a, if it's a niece, if it's your own child, it, everything pauses. You're so delicate with that child. If it's a, a cousin, if it's family, friend, and that child, you're holding that child. It seems like you've you got to be very just... Stop, and you slow down to the pace of grace. You don't want to mess things up. Philip Yancey, uh, author, counselor, uh, he's written a lot of uh, just great works and books. And one time on a social media post, he, he recalls this. He's a great pianist and uh, it likes to do it as a hobby. I, I'm not musically talented at all. So anytime I come across something that fits musically, I try to compensate and say, hey, here's something for my music friends. And I love what he was talking about one day on a social media post. He, he was reading sheet music and he noticed that there is these extra notes in the sheet music and they're called grace notes. Now, grace notes are for those who are excellent at playing the piano. If you're average, you kind of skip over them, and the music sounds pretty good. Like, it sounds what it's supposed to sound like. But when you have, add the grace notes into the music, as the, the high-achieving pianist might do, the music flourishes even more. And so he's talking about this, but then he looks down at the bottom of the sheet music, and a commentary says this, and there's a little asterisk. He says, grace is not compatible with haste. Grace is not compatible with haste. Meaning you can't live a graceful life, you can't play graceful music if you're trying to breeze through the music. Isn't that true in life? You can't enjoy life if you're just trying to get through life. If you're trying to rush it, you'll run right through it. If you're trying to race through life, you're going to miss what God's doing right in your life. You have to choose grace over haste. I think a lot of times we forget that because we live in this culture where keep it moving, keep it moving, keep it moving, and we just have to kind of slow down to that pace of grace. I had a little bout with that uh, this week, it's, it always kind of hits whenever you prepare a message. I live over in Babcock Ranch, and they have pedestrian crosswalks, and there's a little stop sign. And anytime I go across the street, I'm very courteous, I like to think, when it comes to the cars that are approaching. So I'm like, I don't care if I have the, the right-of-way, the walk. I'm like, I'm booking. And if I got my family, I'm dragging them along. So I'm like, come on, we don't want to keep them waiting. Like, like let, let's go unload the wagon. And so I'm driving through the neighborhood on my way to work this, this past week. And, and uh, someone's at the, the crosswalk. I'm like, oh, they're, like, I got something good coming to me, right? Like, I booked across the crosswalk. They're going to book across the crosswalk. And, man, they just take their time. Just, I'm like, I'm answering. I'm like, ah. like, dude, if you don't go. Like, I'm going to be tempted, you know, like, to honk the horn, okay? Like, honk the horn. I'm going to be tempted to honk the horn. And I'm sitting there, and I'm like, all right, there's no rush, you know? Like, my sons, they kind of got indoctrinated. They're, like, yelling, like, come on! Like, you know, it's like that intense in our car. And we're just, you know, hey, 
I'm speaking this message, Lord, not let me make a mistake. But if I do, make it a good illustration. You know, like that's where I'm at in this moment. You know, but you got to slow down in life. When Simeon receives Jesus and sees him for the first time, his world stops and he focuses on Jesus, the Messiah, the coming king. Slow down. When you want to receive something from God, you got to slow down and say, God, am, am I spending my time with you? God, am I focusing on you? God, I'm all about you. Lastly, when it comes to receiving from God, we need to simply understand this, that our greatest thing that we can do is share our greatest miracle. Share our greatest miracle. In Luke chapter 2, verse 34, then Simeon blessed them. And he said to Mary, the baby's mother, the child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall and many others to rise. He has been sent and he has been sent as a sign from God. But many will oppose him. Sign and miracle are oftentimes synonymous. But when a sign comes on display, it's meant to be read, it's meant to be looked at, it's meant to understand what it's saying. So the point is this. The greatest miracle we can have is Jesus giving us the sign to an everlasting, our Father in heaven, a way to connect with Him. He fills the void. He bridges the gap so that once when we were dead, He makes us alive. And it's our responsibility as a church to take that good news and share that with our friends and our family. This past Christmas, Uh, through this Christmas series we've been asking and talking about two ways we're challenging you and encouraging you to talk to God about a Christmas miracle the first one is this ask God for a personal miracle in your life what do you need God to do that only God can do have faith hey say God like I will wait and I will receive I will wait and I will pause I will slow life down to hear you or then secondly, we've also been talking about, hey, maybe you need to ask for a spiritual miracle on behalf of somebody else. Who do you know in your sphere that they, you know, they're in some dark times and they need Jesus? Who do you know? I'll be challenging you with that. We need to share the greatest miracle. I mentioned earlier during our legacy offering, um, what I love about this church, we're missions oriented and we're global minded. Like we can have a great church here in Southwest Florida, but God's church is global. It's more than just Southwest Florida. Um, we've uh, had the privilege of partnering with an orphanage, uh, Chiang Rai's Children's Orphanage over in Northern Thailand. Um, this is a picture of Yesa. Uh, she's a child, one of thousands that have gone through. She's actually a, a Pakistani uh, a refugee. Her family moved to Northern Thailand with nothing. And so our missionary friend, Terry Waisner, reached out earlier this year and it's like, hey, we're trying to raise $6,200 to, um, to give these kids in the children's home. Right now, they approximately have 129 currently in the children's home. We are reaching out to see if we can make their Christmas really happen for them and trying to raise for Christmas gifts. So I was like, okay, well, like, what's a Christmas gift? Like, we have our giving wall, and that's awesome. Like, like our Christmas gifts, bikes. And, and when he sent me the list, truthfully, I was kind of rocked. I had a moment in my office because this amount would go to 129 kids. 
And the Christmas gift is simply a blanket, PJs, a bath towel, and a pillow. Church, we have a responsibility to do what we can. For people to know Jesus, understand his love, and the way we do that is through how we live out our lives and how we share the greatest miracle ever. See, your generosity, not only through our legacy giving and our gift this year, is making a difference. The way God's made a difference in your life, we're to continue to live out and help others know the difference He can make in their life. Know your church is backing organizations like that. But we also want to continue to help those around this place know Jesus in a very real way. And maybe you're in here right now. The first greatest miracle that you can ever have is to know Jesus as your Lord and leader of your life. Romans chapter 8, or Romans, excuse me, chapter 10, verse 9 and 10 says this. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God and it is openly declaring your faith that you are saved. Friends, if you don't know Jesus, I am praying that you meet him today. In just a moment, our prayer team will come forward and we'll, we want to encourage you wherever you're at. We want to be lockstep. We want to partner with you so you can know Jesus the way that many of us in this room know Jesus. But maybe you're in this place right now and you say, hey, I know Jesus. But you're living life fast and you keep asking, you keep asking, you keep showing up, you keep throwing up, hey God, hey, hear me, hear me. Maybe you just need to come down this point and say, hey, am I partnering the way I need to be partnering with God? Am I slowing down the pace of grace? Am I taking time to share the greatest miracle? Because when we do that, we open ourselves up to receive what God has in store for us. So church, I'm gonna ask you if you'll pray with me. God, we give you this moment right now. We pray for two people groups here this morning first we pray for those who are making a decision they know that there's a void or we pray that they understand that that you should be a top priority in their life Lord, we pray right now that you come alive in their life that that they they open up their minds and their hearts to receive your goodness and your kindness and and all the new life you bring to us god so we pray right now for those individuals declaring to follow you declaring to uh, make you the Lord and leader of their life. Lord, we're also praying for those in this place who've been asking a lot or maybe just need a big miracle and just need to sit back and receive, Lord. We pray that what we talked about today resonates in their heart so that they can be made a better person than when they came in here, a better relationship with you than when they came in here. May they know you in a deeper level, in a more intimate way. In your great and holy name, we all say. Hey, thanks for listening today. If you have any questions or would like to speak to someone concerning this message, we invite you to fill out our online communication card at faithnfm.com. And if you're able, we'd love to have you with us in person on Sundays at 9 a.m. or 1045 a.m. or on the best night of the week for Wednesday prayer at 7 p.m. We're at 7101 Bayshore Road in North Fort Myers, just two miles west of I-75 at exit 143. Thanks again for listening.